0: What's going on everybody? Welcome to a Wednesday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host John Harris, football analyst and salary reporter. Glad to be joining you on day number one of Lions v. Texans joint practices here at Houston Methodist Training Center. And it was so funny because the, the practices we've had have been started like 9.15, 9.10. They got moved up to 8.50 or so. And it was fine, It's 20 minutes, it's, it's no big deal you'd think. But 20 minutes at the back end of practice can mean a lot. And so I was standing there at practice, and Matt O'Donnell, assistant defensive coach, came up to me and I was like, man, I'm so mad. I was like, why, Coach? And he goes, I wanted it to be like 1,000 degrees for these guys from Detroit. <laughs> and I was like, Coach, that's not so nice. But I was thinking the same thing, too. I was actually walking in with about three or four Lions, and we kind of got in discussion. And I said, you're about to have, as we were walking back to NRG, went over to Bridge, went over Kirby, going back in. I said, you're about to have the best, Part of training camp happened for you. And they kind of looked at me. And then we walked in. And they were like, oh, that AC. And I said, see? That's it. And they go, oh, yeah, I get it. And I said, what's it been like in Detroit? seventy five eighty, 75, 80. No big deal. I'm like, oh, 75, 80? Oh, my goodness. So they were in for a little bit of a rude awakening. But really good on both sides today, I thought. Very competitive. And I, I said this to Andre Ware. I watched practice with, with Andre Ware and Dana Holgerson for a while. And it, that was fun to just kind of talk ball with the two university Houston greats. Obviously, Dre having one of Heisman there and greatest player in Houston history. And then Dana, who's now the head coach there, I've known for a long time. And we are just watching practice. Just, it was really fun. But it was it was good on both sides. But I said to Dre at some point, I turned to him and I said, why aren't better than Packers? Pretty much clearly. And Dre was like, well, you know. And I said, I'm not basing it on – what I saw in the game against the Packers because there were so many Packer players who didn't play. Just watching the two teams, seeing how they they play, and watching the Lions at certain spots, that's a pretty darn good football team. That's a pretty good squad. Now, I've, I've heard some rumblings that, oh yeah, the Lions can be a surprise team in the NFC for the playoffs. I'll bite. I'll bite. If I were going to go to Vegas and put one on kind of a long shot, if you will, that might be the team i put it on. Man, Matt Stafford is is fun to watch. He is fun to watch. He's got as quick a release and strong an arm as anybody I've seen. I mean, that's been the great thing about all these joint practices. I've seen all these quarterbacks over the years. Brady, Breeze, Garoppolo. This guy's got a cannon, and it gets out fast. But your Texans had, I thought, a pretty good day, too. Some things that need to get short up. One that was a little surprising, I thought the Lions ran the ball pretty well. But... Get that short up. Look, no DJ Reader, no Carlos Watkins, a few guys missing in the middle. So a little frustrating there, but thought the Texans had a really nice day doing some good things uh, against the Detroit Lions. We'll get into a little bit of that as the show goes on. But we are going to hear from secondary coach Anthony Midget. We're also going to have a dirty dozen with Cullen Gillespie, the rookie. Drew Doherty had a chance to catch up with the young man from Taylor High School out in Katy from Texas A&M, the 12th man. If you're an Aggie, you know who Gilly is, as, as they call him, and I think we'll call him that at some point. He's Gilly. That's when I go on Tex-Aggs. That's what they – hey, how's Gilly doing? How's Gilly doing? So, calling Gillespie, sometimes it's – we've got to be official about it, but Gilly's done a nice job, I think, at training camp, and uh, he's going to have a great opportunity again on Saturday night against the Lions to continue to make a bid for this roster, make a bid for the 46-man roster, and find a way to impact this team in 2019. So we got Midget. We got Colin Gillespie. I'll give you some of my thoughts and notes from the day my Harris hits a little bit later in the show. But it's time for Little Texans Audio Jukebox. That's right. I'm singing. I'm singing. Deal with it. It's here from the head coach himself, Bill O'Brien. And he was asked about any number of things but these training camp practices with coaches that you know. Now last week it was with Matt Lafleur. I think Coach probably knew him, but he knows Matt Patricia very well, and that made practice a little bit easier
1: throughout the two-hour workout. We go back a long way, um, coached together in New England. Didn't didn't really even have to meet about this. You know, we just knew how it would work, and uh, it was smooth operation. Matt does a really good job. Very smart guy, uh, really good coach, and it was good to work with those guys today. It was really good. And like Matt LaFleur,
0: Matt Patricia, I think it's an Achilles, but he was riding around on his 4x4 like he has been at Detroit's practices. And I wondered what they would do when he went on the road, and they found him a 4x4. And so he was tooling around the fields on that 4x4. I tried to stay out of his way, so I didn't end up being a hood ornament. But when you have two coaches that know how these things go, things are pretty smooth, and you could tell that things – we very smooth for both sides, getting from drill to drill uh, and going against one another. So those two having that, that knowledge of one another, having coached with one another, know each other for a long time, that made practices pretty smooth today. Now, a big talking point, obviously, throughout from last year and before last year, going through this offseason, et cetera, has been the offensive line. And coach discussed that and trying to find
1: out what that five is going to be on September 9th. We're getting more towards where we we believe it'll be. Um, you know, Nick hasn't been in there obviously, so that's a big part of it. Greg injured last week in the game, so you know those guys are big parts of it. It's good that we have Zach Fulton who can play in there in the center, um, but I'd see, I'd say that is still a work in progress. But we're getting closer to what we believe it'll be.
0: You know the difference, if there is one, between these these two teams. When you look at the Lions offensive line, that's a group that's been together. Ricky Wagner, uh, Graham Glasgow, and Frank Ragnow, Taylor Decker. That that group's been together for a while. And continuity. Wade Smith will tell you this. Eric Winston will tell you this. Guys we had on the show will tell you this. The continuity that they had, especially in that 2011 group, that continuity had been there for a few years, and so it really gelled. And it showed, when you watched them play, how much working together. This group is still trying to find its way kind of together. And one of those guys is Titus Howard, first-round draft pick, playing some guard. He did move out to tackle a little bit in one-on-ones, so he does get that time out at tackle.
1: And Coach said, hey, Titus, I think is doing a pretty good job. He works hard, uh, really good kid, really smart, um, good teammate, everything that you're looking for. He does, a, he does a good job. He gets better every day.
0: He does. He's stout. He's tough. He don't back down from anybody. Are there some technique things that he's got to work on? Of course. Every rookie's got to. A- deal with that. There's no no question about that. He's, he definitely has to work on that and he's getting better at that. And he has to learn some of the guard techniques too. And that's not the easiest thing either because you play tackle all your career, all your college career, and all of a sudden they move you to guard. You think, it's very similar, right? It's three feet to the right. It uh, doesn't always work that way, but Titus is definitely working it. Now, one of the biggest talking points because there has been a lot of smoke. And with smoke, you think there's a fire, but who knows having to do with Javian Clowney and coach was asked about Clowney playing for the Texans in 2019 here's what he had to say about that situation
1: we haven't really seen him since uh the end of uh you know the season so you know i, I really i really don't know I, I i i can do my best to answer your question but you know really really don't know when he when he arrives you know we'll, we'll handle it when he arrives but uh that's that's his prerogative, you know. He doesn't have to be here right now. That's um, part of the uh, franchise tag and all those different things. So, uh, you know, we'll do the best we can.
0: A couple of my buddies have put some information out there about Clowney and saying that there were deals or there have been some deals. You know, who's to say? So we'll we'll find out here in a short amount of time what's going to happen and whether JD does play for us in 2019, which I hope is the case. And uh, hopefully he gets in soon and shows everybody what he can do, and then we'll we'll take it at that point. But hopefully JD is going to be here and 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 shows up in good time to get ready for game one, and and we'll move on. But if the organization decides to move on, then uh you know I'm I'm always going to cheer for Jevian Clowney, and unless we have to see him across the across the field, uh he he just he's been one of my favorite guys in the locker room. He's he's always had a smile. His smile brightens up the room, but. It's the business of football, man. It is the business of football that we see here in the NFL. Now, speaking of business, the guy that did his business today is the best receiver in the league. That would be DeAndre Hopkins. He went against Darius Slay throughout the day, and he was asked right off the top about Will Fuller, Kiki QT, and himself is that the best wide receiver trio in the league when everybody's
2: healthy about four uh, we put it in the work so uh, you know we expect the results
0: and hopefully those three will be on the field together now Kiki we know is banged up and hopefully we're getting back for week one maybe not but hopefully it's not something that's going to linger on into the season at cost games like it did last year now hot made a few tremendous catches today I'm I mean just absolute jaw-dropping. Catches. Uh, I mean, they're just ridiculous. And he said, "You know what? I give a lot of that credit to the guys that I work with,
2: in particular, a quarterback, number four, Sean Watson." You see him out here making passes that you know he's a great quarterback, but I can't say you know he would have made you know two years ago. Uh, and, that, and that comes from building chemistry, not just with myself, but with the, uh, with the tight ends, with the running backs, and uh, you know that's that's Deshaun putting in work this all season in, in the film room. You know, uh, you know, we can take credit, but it really is on the quarterback.
0: It is. Deshaun Watson has definitely stepped up his game. There's no doubt about it. Now, Hop talked afterwards about being really tough on himself, like he's always tough on himself. He's always his his toughest critic, and he said, "Well, maybe with the exception of one person, there's maybe one person that is my biggest critic. Who's that?" Hop, my mom probably put
2: more pressure on me than anybody, though, um, because you know. She feels like I can be better. I, you know, she talked junk to me. Even if it's like a good game I have or something I did, you know, she's always pushing me to be better. So um, I got a lot. Of, I put a lot of pressure on myself, but you know, I got people around me that, that put more pressure for me to do better and push myself.
0: I love that. Moms know best. Hop knows that. We know that. We all know that. I mean, I went back to Wisconsin. Moms know best. Mom, my mom, my mother sent me a drawn map, a picture of a drawn map to her house. I'd never been to their house because they just moved back three or four years ago. I'd been to their house in Wisconsin. She drew me a map. Like, I couldn't find it with my GPS, so I was being a smartass, and I took a picture of the GPS and sent to her. Following the GPS, guess who got lost? Me. I followed Mom's map on the way home, and it got me all the way back to Green Bay. Fine. So, hashtag Mom's know best, and DeAndre Hopkins would absolutely agree with that. Whitney Merciless also spoke today. And Coach O'Brien talked about Whitney and said, you know, there were maybe some things that he was dealing with last year, maybe being banged up. And, and Whit wasn't about to go in that direction. He said injuries didn't hurt his production last year.
3: To be honest with you, I don't think so. Um, early on in camp, yes. But during the season, I was I was fine by then. I played all 16. Uh, I was out there uh, healthy. Uh, I rehabbed my hamstring injury as well, too, last year. And so um, just a different role for me as, a, as far as that goes, you know, dropping a little bit more into the coverage. Um, Limited refs ref, as far as uh, rushing the passer.
0: But When he's rushing the passer now, forget it. This guy is getting after it. And he said, you know what? My style isn't complicated, man. I can rush the quarterback. There's no doubt about that. Here's Whitney on his
3: style. My mindset has been the same thing since day one. I mean, wherever I'm at on the field, go create havoc, disrupt them, um, make plays at the end of the day.
0: It didn't complicate it. Go find a quarterback. And he threw a sick spin move today on Lions left tackle, it I mean, wow, it was ridiculous, ridiculous, now, Whitney has been rushing from that side, but Romeo Cornell said a few days ago, hey, look, we don't mind moving Whitney
3: around a little bit if we have to, and Whit said, yeah, bring it all, Rack. I'm all about it, you know, uh, allow me to do what I do best, you know, bring havoc in the backfield and go disrupt quarterbacks and their timing and everything.
0: I can't wait to see what they got planned for 59, but quietly, Whitney Merciless had maybe the best training camp of any Texan. He's been phenomenal. He's been healthy. He's been ready to go. His pass rush is on point. He's trying and using his his cadre of moves. I mean, he's been really, really fun to watch at training camp. And I think it's one of the least discussed storylines throughout this entire training camp is what Whitney Merciless is doing rushing off the edge. Look, we're talking about J.D. coming back. And I hope we have JD because if you got JD, Witt, and you got Watt, you got three of the best pass rushers all at the same time. And Witt is showing, I can go get the quarterback. I can find it. So that's, to me, been one of the bigger storylines. And really, I haven't talked about it. And that's a shame because Witt has been all kinds of fantastic. All right. Matt Khalil also talked to the media today. And he said, This is my motivation for 2019. It's right here.
3: Proven to myself that I can do it. Um, you know all the stuff I've been through as far as injuries and struggling at some points with that, but um, you know I, I think I'm to the point where I'm feeling really good and get my confidence back. So uh, you know it's it's a battle every day with the guy in the mirror. So uh, that's what it comes down to.
0: That's a great point. He talked about that, and then he went further and said, "You know what? My injury history has has kind of gotten after my confidence a little bit. It takes a little while to get that confidence back."
3: It always. Um, diminishes your confidence a little bit when you're not able to do the things you want to do because physically your body won't let you do it so I think um that plays a mental factor but you know everyone plays hurt so that's not really an excuse so um, but I, you know, I'm just really fortunate that I feel really healthy right now and uh grinding away during this camp and you know getting better every day so Matt how close to being all the way
0: back are you we all would like to see you at 100% where do you feel like you are right now
3: it's to the point now where I'm doing the things I want to do and not thinking, like, okay, well, if I step this way, it's going to hurt. So, you know, I got to figure out a different way around that so I don't have pain in my ear. You know, just just little things. And, you know, it's already hard enough to pay the guy to play the guy across the ball. So, um, when you're not thinking about that other stuff, it makes the game a lot easier.
0: And I know there's been a lot of talk about Matt and the left tackle position and what they're going to do. Pretty interesting sound bites talking about that. And I, and I said, look, with, with Matt Khalil, you're talking about a guy that didn't play two of the last three years. And shaking that amount of rust off, it, it, it can be it can be tough. You're facing some really good rushers in practice. You face some really good rushers with the Lions and the Packers. And it's not as if that's going to take a break. It's Cameron Jordan week one. It's Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram week two. It's Yannick Ngakwe. I'm sorry. Yannick Ngakwe and Clay Campbell week two. Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram week three. You're facing some dudes right out of the chute. So, it's going to be tough. So, hopefully, Matt continues to do that. And... You know, Bill O'Brien had a comment about Matt Khalil, and, and I'll play that for you now because I figured it's fitting as we talk about Matt Khalil to get Coach O'Brien's thoughts on what he's seen from Matt.
1: He's had a really good camp. Um, you know, it's hard to judge in a practice setting. Sometimes, You know, you can't hit the quarterback, you know what I mean? So quarterback may be holding the ball sometimes, try to get the guys open. So, it's, you know, I, I think he's had a very consistent camp. Um, he's a really good guy to coach, very smart player. Good guy in the room. He's got everything you're looking for.
0: There he is. Coach O'Brien, Matt Khalil, DeAndre Hopkins, Whitney Merciless, your Texans audio jukebox. Okay, I'm done with this thing. All right, coming up next, secondary coach Anthony Midget. He spent some time with the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer. We'll have that for you next on Texans All Access. Welcome back to a Wednesday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris. Glad to be with you. We had a lot of sound in the first segment. We'll have a little bit more now with a guy that has been with the Texans since Bill O'Brien arrived in 2014. He coached up with Bill at Penn State and then joined him as an assistant secondary coach. And then last year he took over as the secondary coach. I think he does a way of a job. And one of my favorite moments in all of 2018, Anthony Midget as secondary coach Against uh, it was against the Miami Dolphins. This is one that, it just stood out to me, and the Texans were were banged up in the secondary. I want to say J. Joe J. Joe was banged up for some reason, and I think he was actually hurt on that particular play, and that's that's what happened. And so I looked out on the field, and I saw essentially five safeties on the field. It was Natrell Jamerson, who played safety at Wisconsin. It was Kareem who we knew last year was he played corner, but he had he had been a safety and should have been a safety. He was on the field, Tyron Matthew, Justin Reed, and then I think Andre Howe was the fifth guy that was out there. It was either Hal no, no no yeah, it was Hal. No, Andre was hurt. It was Mike Tyson. It was those five guys. They he basically had five safeties out on the field. And I remember Midge in the middle of that huddle, kind of talking to all of them, looking at the young guys making sure that everybody was communicating with the right guy and communicating to be in the right spot. And I just thought, man, what a challenge that is. He's essentially got five safeties out on the field, and he's got to keep it, keep those guys together. And you had Jam- Jamerson playing, oh, man, one of his – it was one of the few games he was active. So it was like his second or third game maybe. You had Justin Reed as a rookie. You had Mike Tyson who didn't play a whole heck of a lot. And then you had the two vets. You had Kareem and Tyron. But you had three guys that hadn't even played a half of a full season. And I just remember Mitch pulling them together and talking to him. And I felt like, you know what? They're going to be okay. They're going to be all right. Guy was a heck of a play at Virginia Tech. Has turned into one heck of a coach. Here is Mark Vandermeer with secondary coach Anthony Midget.
4: Okay, before we talk about the current Texans. Virginia Tech, 1999. I was the voice of the Miami Hurricanes. You had three interceptions against the Canes. You remember that well? I do. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Lang Stadium. Y'all, you guys started out 10-0 and we ran off 43 straight um to put the shellack on them.
4: That was uh, an amazing night for Virginia Tech and that was your last year there, right?
2: Yes, and that was the year you know we went undefeated and ended up playing in a national championship um and losing to Florida State and um Sugar Bowl led by Mike Vick.
4: And Chris Winky C- yep, playing Chris for Wienke, Florida State. Peter
2: Warwick and those guys, it was a pretty good team.
4: A lot of NFL players in that game, right? It was it yeah. was it was a lot. It was fun. When did you realize coaching was the thing?
2: Um, You know, when I was playing, I always had coaches tell me that you'll be a great coach someday, and they was just planting that seed. And then when I finished playing, I just thought about what a way I can stay close to the game and give back to what the coaches, you know, I'm part of. I've been a part of some great coaches from Coach Beamer, um, my high school coaches, and then coming to the NFL, being a part with Coach Dungy for a year in Tampa. So those guys were great influences. And then I've been fortunate to be around some great coaches going back to Virginia Tech to be a grad assistant with coach Beamer coach Foster and then going to Georgia State working with coach Curry which was unbelievable experience
4: what was Curry like because he's such a personality so larger than life
2: um he was unbelievable every day it was a some you know we were learning something you know from the players the coaches he was just an unbelievable human being and he's the, you know I he did a great job giving me my first full-time job as a um, college assistant and um being a great mentor, and he's just a guy that does things the right way and doing things um, by the book, and he was awesome.
4: You see these guys here like Andre Johnson, Brian Cushing, TJ Yates, guys who played, and now they're getting into coaching. What are they going through? Because it's got to be a weird transition when you're used to being a player, and now you're part of management, if you will. You're coaching these guys.
2: Well, they're going through the you know the phase of now they're feeling what we feel as coaches it's long hours you know so (laughs) but they're doing a great job as far as helping us with you know the guys just the relationship with the guys um that they have former players that they can go to and mentor the rookies so it's been awesome and even Dre just talking to me about what he sees as far as you know from a receiver standpoint learning from here from that deal and then TJ you know being a former um quarterback um sort of things he sees and then obviously Kush you know guy that works hard and you know, I was I was making a cut-up the other day, and I showed those guys a clip of Kush just laying a guy out from Jacksonville. Like, that's that's what Kush did, so playing physical. So it's great to have those guys that guys can go to that's been through the fire and doing the things that they're doing and had long, successful careers. We talked
4: with Andre Hal, who said great things about you, by the way, and we were asking about J. Joe, and he said, J. Joe – it's like he doesn't even need to play full speed sometimes because he knows what's going to happen out there. And and that's great experience. But you have young guys who don't have that yet, so how do you balance that as a coach?
2: You know, everybody in this league is talented. But how do you get that edge? How do you get that next step? And It's it's the mental part of it and the pre-snap information you get. And that's where J.J. is so valuable because he's seen it a lot. And then he talks to the younger guys on top of me and what we're seeing. And then we're just trying to get them to the level. I always tell them, Remember when you was a rookie in college, I mean a freshman in college, try to get to the point that you felt that you was a senior as quick as possible. That will give you some success and have you feeling comfortable when you're on the field. Because if you stay playing, feeling like you played that like your freshman year for a long time, you're going to struggle to make the transition. So the, as quick as you can make the transition of feeling comfortable while you're out there, it will be, the, you know, be good for you.
4: We've heard about that walk-through room with the video. How does that help you? with your defensive backs?
2: um, It's good because we get the guys in there and we can go through all the calls, you know, formations. We can get up PowerPoints. We have also the film from practice with formations. The guys can visually put themselves in there. And it's another way just as opposed to just sitting in the meeting room and just watching film. And tr- It's another way to break it up and give the guys a different opportunity to learn.
4: What about these rookies? How are they doing for you?
2: They're doing great. They're coming in. You know, we're putting a lot on their plate, but they're coming in competing every day and just showing up, working, and um, that's been the beauty of it, and I just see guys continue to get better. It's
4: got to help going against these receivers, too, because not only do you have the veterans, but some of these young guys look like they have some game.
2: It It is, and, you know, I tell the guys, you know, we got the, you know, we got a guy in Hop that's big, that's physical with the catch, you know, number one receiver in the NFL. Then you got a guy, Will Fuller, that's a great route runner, can stretch the field. And then you got a great slot receiver in Kiki Kuti that, we see so we getting it from all angles, which is great for us, and then we have some talented tight ends that our safeties are going against. So it's been a great it's been great for us to be able to go against those guys and compete in practice.
4: Yeah, and the safeties, it looks like the veterans you've added really are fitting in really well. I know it's a different dynamic now compared to the group you had last year, but it looks like this group gets along and they've got great chemistry so far, and I know you want to see it in these games.
2: Yep, and that's what we're working towards since we started this thing, you know, back in coaching session, building through OTAs up until now, just developing that chemistry and then guys just feeling comfortable with each other. But I feel good about, you know, Justin Gibb and Jaleel Adai. Those guys have been great. You know, to to have a guy like Jaleel that has starter experience and be able to come in and, you know, be a part of that trio is pretty special.
4: Joint practices, what do you get out of them?
2: I like it because you get a chance to see the guys compete versus another team that's not, you know, our team and see how they respond um, to that. and. That was great, you know, to be in Green Bay to see the guys do that. And then we got another opportunity to come versus Detroit. You had Green Bay with, you know, Aaron Rodgers. Now we got Stafford coming to town. So it's a good chance to go against another good quarterback. We have Deshaun every day and then to go against these guys. It's been great for us.
4: All right, one more for you going back a little bit because you were with Michael Vick in college. And when you look at Deshaun, I know it's different, But you can't help but compare and contrast sometimes because they can both make plays with their legs.
2: Yes, they extend plays, and it's the unscripted plays that they just can turn a negative play into a positive gain, and that's what, you know, give the defenses fits where you can't script, you know, you can't prepare for that. It's just the threat of that guy always, you know, being able to make a play with his legs or extend the play, and now on the back end we have to cover the guys longer. Mm -hmm. So it puts a lot of stress on you um, from that standpoint, but you know, I be, I was with Mike, and then just to send Deshaun, he has the same effect on the game, and you know, to put the pressure on the defense um, with the things he does. Coach, thanks a lot for joining us. All right, thank you for having
0: me. It's so funny that Mark brought it all the way back to 1999 to start that interview, talking about Mids and the three interceptions he had. And you talk about you talk about a game that turned on a dime. The Canes had gone ahead in that game, I believe, is either ten to nothing or fourteen or nothing. And then it went sideways. Completely and totally sideways. Vic was a that was his retro freshman year, so it was the first year that he was playing, and he was he was unbelievable. They scored 43 straight as mids talked about. It was as he said it was a shellacking, that's probably the best way of saying it. They destroyed Miami. That just didn't happen in Miami, no matter what Miami was going through. But that was a good Virginia Tech team. The next year, Miami in 2000, they started. You could start to see where this program was going back to. Like, uh oh, here they come. 2001, they won a national championship. 2002, they lost that one to Ohio State, and but they were right in it. That 1999 team really, the Miami team took it on the chin. But that Virginia Tech 99 team, bunch of lunch pail guys, a guy like Anthony Midget in the secondary, kind of leading and keeping things together. The only loss that year was the Florida State National Championship game. And, had Peter Warwick been suspended for the whole year after the whole Dillard's incident, like a lot of people thought he should have been, Anthony Midge would have a National Championship ring. Michael Vick was unbelievable in that game. The only player better than him on the field that night was Peter Warwick. Peter Warwick was amazing. Absolutely incredible. His number, I just saw his numbers the other day. Somebody had they put it online, like the top fifty performances by players in the state of Florida for Florida colleges, and they mentioned that game. And Mitch played in that game, and they took a thirty. I think they took a they took a twenty nine to twenty eight lead in that game in the fourth quarter. And Vicks is bringing them back, and like, wow, he's gonna he's gonna do this. I've never seen this happen to Florida State defense. And then Peter Warwick went off in the fourth quarter, and they ended up winning the game. I think it was forty three to twenty nine or something like that. But wow. What a, what a team that Virginia Tech team had back in 1999 with Anthony Midget. Now, your Houston Texans secondary leader. All right, we're going to come back with a little bit of Dirty Dozen with Cullen Gillespie. We are also, I'm going to hit a few news and notes from the day against the Detroit Lions, some of the things that stood out and some of the things I'll be looking forward to tomorrow. We'll do that next on Texans All Access. One final segment of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I almost started singing. Sorry for that. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. Day one of the Lions' joint practices in the books. And I will say I found two more people that weren't the happiest about joint practices. They're both affiliated to U of H. I won't, I won't spill their their guts on the radio. But one won a Heisman Trophy winner there, and one's the head coach there. Yeah. I think I could have talked them into it, but I, I, start, I see their point. When I heard it from them, I was like, eh, it kind of makes some sense. Like, I get it. I understand. Because, see, as a head coach, you think about the injury aspect. Like, how do I keep my guys healthy throughout this? But I think colleges colleges should do, should be able to do that. Go up and, you know, University of Houston goes to, I don't know, goes over to LSU and practices against them for a couple of days. Just to see somebody in a different color jersey. I know as a player, that broke up the monotony. I don't know it broke it up for me, but. Maybe, maybe not for others, but I love these joint practices. I always have, and I see the value in them. But eh, maybe I see a little bit of what they're talking about, and so therefore I shouldn't be so hard on Aaron Rodgers for his thoughts. So Aaron, I take it back slightly. Shouldn't have been as, I shouldn't have ambushed you as much. But either way, that's kind of the way it goes. Now a guy that loves practice, loves games, loves Aggies, loves number twelve. Now he wears number forty-four, and that's Colin Gillespie. Drafted in the seventh round, and I've told the story, and I'll tell the story every every time we talk about Colin Gillespie, about Pro Day, back in uh, in March for the Aggies. And I was I had always gone, and I always go, but I realized about halfway down my drive, I was like, you know what, I'm not going to see anybody today. All those guys did their workouts before at the combine, and they all did pretty well, so I don't know. Why, why should I do this? I was like, oh, I'll go anyways. I like going down there. I like Pro Days. And I was standing just to the left of Colin Gillespie when he ran his 40. And I turned to my man, Tyler Sudarth, and I said, Suds, that's a great time. He did it again, and I was like, Suds, that might be an even better time. When he was asked afterwards, he said, My unofficial time that I heard was four four eight. Now I think what they posted was like four five five. Either way, at six one, two hundred and thirty five pounds. That's smoking fast. And that really is what helped Cullen Gillespie get a local Pro Day invite. He ran very well again, had some good meetings, and the Texans were convinced that was a guy we needed to have in this organization. They drafted him in the seventh round. A guy that grew up a Texans fan is now with Drew Doherty
5: with the Dirty Dozen. Here's
0: Cullen Gillespie.
5: This is exciting. We've got rookie Cullen Gillespie here with us. And Cullen, how do you prepare your hair for practice?
0: Oh, I
6: don't really... I don't really mess with it. You know, I, I warm up in a bun, so i get in my face, and then once, once practice starts, it's just out. Whatever so, happens, happens.
5: <laughs> so how do you prepare your, your hair when you're going out?
6: When I'm going out, keep it in a bun. I'm not, I'm not too big on wearing it down. It gets hot, so I kind of just keep it pulled up. I kind of grew it out so it looked cool hanging out of my helmet, and now it's just kind of stuck with
5: me. Brian Cushing just asked me to ask you, when are you going to cut the hair?
6: I don't really plan on cutting the hair. Cush, you want me to cut my hair? I'm not. I don't. I don't plan on cutting it. I also can't predict the future, so we'll see.
5: For the record, I don't think you should. I think you should be your own man. Cut it when you want it, if you want to cut it, but don't cut it because that guy said to. Otherwise, breakfast burritos or breakfast tacos.
6: Breakfast taco. What do you put on them? Everything.
5: So is it like chorizo? Is it what, what's the what's the build up?
6: Like a steak, egg, guac. I mean, you got to have pico. You got to have some hot sauce. Pretty much everything. What's on the perfect hamburger? Perfect hamburger. Perfect hamburger is the patty melt from Waterburger. Double meat, double cheese. You got the patty melt sauce, some sauteed onions. If you're feeling a little risky, you can throw some uh, grilled jalapenos on there. That's that's my go-to.
5: So you're, you're kind of dangerous. You'll throw the jalapenos on, huh?
6: Oh, I'm I'm all for the spicy.
4: I got
5: you. So you're not into making them. You're into buying them, right?
6: Yeah. I mean, I mean, I like I like grilling. I'm not afraid to throw them on the pit. But patty melt from Waterburger is just oh, yeah. that's my thing.
5: It's not too bad today after practice here in Houston, but after a really hot one, how do you cool off? How do you, as Brandon Dunn likes to say, how do you get your life back together?
6: Get my life back together? Uh, I usually get inside, get undressed, and go straight to the cold tub. I gotta go and, and uh, start recovering my body. A little bit of a body shock going from 100 degrees to about 35 degrees in that cold tub, but it cools you down, gets your body right, and helps you recover.
5: You've been all about business since you got here, but how nice is it? You're a Katie Taylor Mustang. How nice is it being close to home? You've got some friends and family here at every practice, it seems. How nice is it just getting to connect with them, see them, and see them get to do what you do for a living?
6: It's just a blessing. It's a blessing to be able to be about 20, 25 minutes from home. Yesterday was the off day. I got to go home again, eat dinner with the family. I mean, like you said, I've got family and friends coming to almost every practice. So it kind of shows the support group I have behind me, and, and uh, I couldn't be more thankful to be where I'm at.
5: How about your fellow rookies? Which of them has the best hair? hmm of the rookies who's got the best
6: hair i'm trying to think here i think my boy uh, albert huggins he's got some he's got some pretty sweet dreads i think i think he could rock it a little bit who's the best dresser out of the rookies it's definitely not me how um, come I got no style Why? I got like the Texas style Like jeans, boots, like some wranglers Maybe like a polo I actually made fun of a lot I've had to redo my wardrobe a couple times to to, to fit in But best dresser (laughs) I think Lonnie Lonnie's got some pretty good style
5: Okay You know you just piqued my interest The boots What's the perfect pair of boots for you?
6: oh uh, i got some luke hey i got all types of boots and, do you uh, have
5: a go-to set though that you wear for just like the most special of occasions
6: yeah I'm, I'm pretty sure it's my luke casey ostrich skins
5: so have you gone to a lot of rodeo concerts
6: oh first concert ever i think was uh here and it was either maroon five or alan jackson those are my those are my first two concerts i was probably 10 years old and uh last year i don't think i made any to any la- two years ago i made turnpike troubadours i'm i'm, I'm big on the rodeo i have now that I'm here officially and I'm living here, I'll, I'll try and make it every night. I'm thinking about joining a committee as well.
5: You're in hog heaven. Oh, that committee, I mean, you've got a whole range of things you can do there. Yep. Got a couple buddies. All my college buddies
6: are in committees, so kind of the fun thing to do being in your 20s, young, yeah. getting to do a little bit of volunteer work, that's uh, something I'm definitely looking forward to.
5: Okay, last thing, you've been to Maroon 5, you've been to Alan Jackson, Turnpike Troubadours. But of all of them, is there one that stood out as the best? What's the best concert you've been to here at the rodeo?
6: You know, I'm definitely a Texas country guy. I've seen Zach Brown Band. It's been great. Uh, you know, I've seen them all. I've seen everybody who's come through here, but Turnpike Troubadours are definitely my favorite. Like I said, I'm Texas country all the way, so you got Turnpike. I think I saw Cody Johnson. You know, I'd like to see my boy Parker McCollum get to come through. He's, a, he's one of my favorite right now as well. So all those guys are, are uh, really amazing.
5: All right. We'll pass that on to the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo Booking Committee that uh, right. Parker Parker McCollum is a yeah. choice. Yeah, shout-out we need, a, we need to get him a rodeo spot. Cullen, thanks so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Best of luck through camp and on into 2019. I right, appreciate it. That, my friends, was Cullen
0: Gillespie, the 12th man. They will have more 12th men at Texas a m University. They will have more 12th men. I don't know that they will have one that was received and is such a legend like Gillespie. Now, they did a... Di- T- Texas A.G.S. Who I do radio work for, and I've been on this, and I, I work with the site. So they did a documentary on, on Cullen, and it was really good. Cullen was a heck of a player coming out of high school. I, I mean, I'm not going to play down the 12th man thing, but the guy should have had a Scully early, but he didn't. And he ended up earning that Scully when he was at uh, Texas AM. And he got it through doing what you seem to practice every day working his tail off, flying out on special teams. And then they added the offensive component. The final year he was at AM. and I think that is what put it over the top. Yeah, you're always looking for players and athletes and rare spots. And, hey, is a guy from the SEC that just ran on special teams worthy of being drafted? Probably not. But what if I tell you that he can play fullback, he runs 4-5, he catches catch the ball in the backfield. What about now? Well, okay, now it's intriguing. And that obviously is what the Texans banked on and what they were able to find with Con Gillespie. He is a heck of a story. He's not just a try-hard Rudy guy. This is a guy that is going to be able to contribute to this organization and hope that he continues to. Guy was a fan of the organization. Want to see how long he can stay here, but having a guy like that around and a good interview, obviously, with Drew Doherty, the 12th man. Now we're at number 44, Colin Gillespie. All right, few notes and thoughts about practice. I will start with DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller. No Kiki QT, still coming back from the injury, but – I mentioned or I had this soundbite from Hop earlier and was asked about the trio, the 3. Kiki QT Fuller and Hopkins are, are, are can you guys be the best trio in the league? Are you the best trio in the league? And Hop is like, "Well, yeah, we expect to be." And we know Kiki is Fuller and Hopkins the best duo in the league. And that to me is is I mean, there's some good duos. But I'll take this one. And on Wednesday those two both showed out. I thought they had probably the two best offensive plays of the day, and obviously the the throws from Deshaun Watson were on point. The first one was Will Fuller on the far sideline. I couldn't tell if it was a double move. I was kind of watching the secondary on my side, so I didn't know if it was a double move. But he got down behind Rashawn, oh no, De- behind Darius Slay on the far sideline, and Deshaun just lofted one beautifully. Fuller makes the catch, toe taps it in bounds, probably about twenty five thirty yard catch. And they kind of ended up, you know, slaying Fuller. You know, slay trying to make a play. Fuller make the catch. Kind of fell into each other. Fell on the sidelines. And the fans were cheering to catch. And then when Will got up and started running back to the huddle, it was as if they started cheering even more. Like they they got it. Like they understood. Like that was a that was a big play. That's a guy we got to have. That was pretty cool to see the fans react the way they did. And then a little while later, they were working on red zone drill and. Hop was on the right side. And as I'm looking, I'm like, that's single coverage. That's slant or fade. And so Slay immediately took away the fade. So Hop ran the slant and then just kept going to the back of the end zone. So he's running along the back of the end zone. And you could tell he's got two steps on on Slay. And I'm I'm like, Sean, throw it, throw it. And so when he threw it, he kind of threw it behind Hop. Hop actually slid down first. And then as he was on the ground, he kind of reached up with his right hand and brought it into his body for the catch. I mean, it was just, it's one of those things that we see Hop do all the time, like, hey, great catch, Hop, Hop, touchdown, I write down on my notes. But it's not something we should take for granted. I mean, it was just one, it was one heck of a catch. But seeing those two work against the Detroit secondary, and I'll, and I'll give the secondary for the Lions some credit, in one-on-one drills, those guys did some good things. They got some guys that are long, they're physical, they get after a little bit on that on that secondary, so... Uh, that was, it was good to see Hop and Fuller have a couple of good days, especially in team drills, and to see Will Fuller back at it with Hop because that duo is going to be pretty nasty. And to have Deshaun Watson throwing to him, that was, that was good stuff. The Texans' run defense, which I thought was stellar in Green Bay, was stellar last year and is really, really good. So the Lions got after him a little bit, and that's one thing that I will definitely have my eyes on tomorrow, how the Texans' front responds because I did think the Lions had a couple of times where they, they gashed the run in there a few times, and that's not something that Texas defense is used to. It really isn't. Justin Reed with a, with a big pick at the end, a situational drill that Matt Stafford got a little bit of rush in his face and kind of faded away from it. The throw sailed on him as he was looking at a crosser, and Justin Reed playing, uh, looked like maybe two-man, I can't remember, but he was playing, uh, he was not in man coverage. He was kind of floating over the top of a lot of stuff. And he ended up picking off the pass to end that situational drill. Kaimi Fairbairn was money all day long. They did a situational drill, the same one that Stafford threw the interception. The Texans had an opportunity to go at it, completed a couple passes. There was a holding, there was interference, then a couple incompletions. So it was fourth down at the 40. I think there were 15 seconds on the clock. And fourth down, brought out Kaimi from 57 and nailed it. Just put it right through. I mean, nailed it right down the middle. Would have been good from 60. Just bombed it. And it was funny because Carrion Johnson was in front of me and he made some comment about their kicker, uh, about Matt Prater. He's like, Oh, Prater could have made that too. And I, and I just was like, Yeah, but our kicker's better. And he and he said something about Prater. I was like, Your kicker's just older. Prater's very good, though. I, I, we were just kind of joking around, but uh, he started saying, yeah, my kicker's got a beer, guys. <laughs> he was talking about Brady, which I thought was pretty funny. Kerryon Johnson had a day, too. He's a fun guy to watch. Really, really fun guy to watch uh, for the Detroit Lions. Tomorrow, I'll be taking a look at our DBs against their wide receivers. They've got Marvin Jones, who did not practice today. they got Kenny Galladay. And I did not see much of Danny Amendola. They had a different slot receiver in there for a lot of today. They're not blessed with the, the best group of pass catchers in the league. But I thought our secondary and team drills in particular did a pretty good job. So I didn't get a chance to see them go against the receivers because I was watching our receivers and our tight ends against their guys. So I'm going to flip that tomorrow. So I'll be watching that. I want to check out the run defense. No DJ Reader yesterday. So I want to see how that group responds uh, without Reader uh, If he's not in the lineup without Carlos Watkins, see how they respond, see if they play a little bit better than they did yesterday. And then I'll continue to watch our offensive line against their defensive line. There's no Snacks Harrison, no Trey Flowers, but I know our offensive line's getting some good work. I like seeing Max Sharping move in and out from guard to tackle, see how that looks. Titus the same thing. See how he looks going from guard to tackle, uh, Get some reps at both. I think that's been good for them. So those are just a few of the notes from today. Some of the things I will be looking for tomorrow. Got a lot of people to thank for today's show. I heard some sound from Bill O'Brien, from DeAndre Hopkins, from Whitney Merciless, from Matt Khalil. Mark Vandermeer had Anthony Midget on the show. Drew Dorty did his dirty dozen with rookie Cullen Gillespie. You are here, and that means everything that you were able to hang with me for this hour show. We'll be back tomorrow with the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer, in-house. We will talk to you then, everybody, and as always, go Texans.